My name is Dave, and um, one of the elders here at Grace, and count it just a, uh, a blessing and a privilege to be able to share the word this morning, and um, we'll get started. Uh, what I'd like to do, first of all, is the, is the title up there? When, uh, when the title comes up, it's one of these, uh, there we go, it's one of these either-or options. It's like the, you know, they, they've got these books, <clears throat> they didn't have them when I was a kid, but you know how they have alternate endings, where you read so far, and then you pick alternate ending A or alternate ending B, and you drive it to a conclusion. Well, these are some options that we have as believers on how we approach our life, and um, want to share in ways that hopefully allow us to, uh, to stay in the race a little more rigorously and engage there. Kath and I have recently, reason, recently been doing some work, and... Um, fixing up a, uh, some, some railing and some, some porch area, and uh, tore it down, put some new wood, and got it all cleaned up and painted, and uh, was a little dismayed to come out there within a day, and there was cobwebs all over, and I thought, gosh, you know, this looks so nice. Tear them down, and then uh, walk out in the morning. By the afternoon, I had cobwebs back. And so, periodically, I know in my life, I, I just need to have the cobwebs taken out. Things can be going pretty well, things can be painted, looking good, but we get these cobwebs that need to be shaken out once in a while. I know I do, and maybe you do too, and I'm hope, hopefully that the, uh, the message this morning will help shake out some of those cobwebs in our lives. If you would, go ahead and stand while we read 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. And everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a, in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I buffet my body and make it my slave lest possibly, after I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Please remain standing while I pray. Father, we just are so thankful for the work that you do in our lives by your word and by your Holy Spirit. And we pray this morning that, um, uh, that you would do the same and we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, I read this passage in the... Um, the danger is it's one of those passages that if you're a very driven person, there's a propensity to say, yeah, that's right, let's run, let's, let's sign up for the, uh, for the convalescent ministry, let's do this, let's do that, and we almost get ahead of ourselves sometimes. Or if you're in a, 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 a day in your life when things are a little bit rough, you look at this and say, oh my gosh, not one more thing, I can't, I'm already overwhelmed. And so I want to make a comment on this passage as a, as a jumping off point before we get started, and it's this. In the, in the Greek language, and I don't purport to be a Greek scholar, but this I do know, that in the Greek language, there's voices assigned to the verbs that give additional meaning to the passage. And by that I mean there's, there's more, but the three primary ones are the active voice, the middle voice, and the passive voice. And in the active voice, the subject is the primary doer of the action. In the middle voice, not only is the subject the doer, but there's some other influence bearing uh, influence on the, uh, on, the, on the action. And in the passive voice, the subject has no bearing on the action. Now, hang with me for a minute. I know that's a little confusing. Here's the illustration. Let's, let's use the sentence, Dave is receiving nutrition in the hospital. Okay? 
in the active voice, maybe I'm just there with a sore throat or, or whatever. And uh, I order my meal and I take the fork and I put it to the plate. I open my mouth, I chew, I eat, I swallow. Active voice. I'm doing all of the action, okay? Middle voice, same sentence. Dave is in the hospital receiving nutrition. My arms are broken. Kath is nice enough to come in, and she'll take the meal, take the fork, and put it to my mouth. I still have to do something. I have to open my mouth, chew, swallow. Two participants, middle voice. Passive voice, Dave is in the hospital receiving nutrition. I've been in a serious car accident. I'm unconscious. They've got me stuffed with IV tubes receiving nutrition. I have nothing to do with it, okay? So that's the difference. That's significant in this passage because where it says in verse 20, 25, everyone who competes in the games, it's literally the word that we get our word agonize from. He who agonizes during the games, middle voice. It's not just the athlete. It's not just us who are running the race. The Holy Spirit is involved in this initially before we do anything else. Second verse, second verb, uh, the, the athlete competes in the games. He exercises self-control in all things. Middle voice. He's part of the action, but there's other influence bearing. And in the case of running the spiritual race, the Holy Spirit. So before we do anything, before we get to the next verses, and we run, and we box, and we buffet our bodies, those are all active voice verbs, but none of those are going to have any influence unless we've already submitted ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We've already presented our bodies as living sacrifices. So those who are driven, stop for a minute. Submit yourself to the Holy Spirit. Those of you who are discouraged, get before the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Remember, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So I just want to use that as the jumping off point. Because uh, to help us run the race well, there's a number of examples that we're given. One of them is uh, just a little further on in this next chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It talks about the Jews, when they left Egypt, were wandering in the wilderness. And it says that that was given to us as an example. A negative example in this case. Remember, it says with most of them, God was not well pleased. Because they grumbled. They complained. They provoked. And so there's a negative example that we don't want to listen to on that side. There's other examples. We have life lessons come our way, difficulties that, uh, that come into our life, and we learn by them, hopefully. But there's opportunity there for us to learn. There's examples that come into your life, hard times that come into your life, and uh, that I can learn from. And I, I prefer to learn from your examples because that means I don't have to go through them. But uh, I've got an example here, one of mine, that uh, I've learned a lot from, and I want to use it, and hopefully you can learn something from it as well. It, um, it started, uh, actually, it, it happened last year in the, the little town of Solvang. Uh, I don't know if any of you have been there, but um, I got involved in this because I ended up getting involved in uh, cycling. Some of the guys here in church were cycling, uh, Pete and Charlie and Pastor Ed and others. And uh, I, I don't know how, I, I got involved somehow, with the uh, uh, ridiculous notion of wearing brightly colored clothes that don't match and getting on something that weighs 15 pounds and riding it. And um, to the point where, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're reduced to, believe it or not, I mean, grown men wearing lyc lycra is just, uh, you know, not, not right. But uh, you do it. And so I, end up, I somehow got involved in, uh, in cycling and, uh, and then signed up for this Solvang ride last year it's a 100-mile bike ride, and uh, decided to do it. So that's a little bit of the background. 
Solvang, has anyone been to Solvang? A lot of you probably, beautiful little town, right? You go in there, quaint, Danish bakeries, uh, food galore. You could eat your way through the town and, and you know, take all week doing it. And uh, beautiful, very nice. We have the pictures up there. But uh, here's what I want to tell you. Solvang has a dark side. And um, it happens at least once a year, every May or so, when about four to 5,000 cyclists descend on this poor little town and, uh, and, and ride through it. And uh, the ride starts uh, in town itself, and then it loops around up to Santa Maria, and then you come back around to, uh, back to Solvang. So it seems pretty innocuous. But um, the bad part is, uh, you know, I didn't have one of those classy pointers, but I, I found this in the garage, and uh, it works. <laughs> so I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it, it gets the job done. So, you know, you, here's, here's the ride profile. So you go on the ride, and there's kind of like these gently rolling hills here. Beautiful wine country, you know, greenery and trees. But the problem is you, you go down here, and there, as you get near the middle three-quarters of the ride, you have these uphills. And then at mile 80, when you're already beat, you've got this thing that they call a heartbreak hill. And you, you try and make it over that. And then you've got this little thing here that looks like it's going straight up that they, that they call the wall. And then after that is a series of uh, switchbacks that uh, aren't too long but pretty steep. And, uh, and then you make your way back uh, down into the town, okay? So what happened, though, is I, I, I made five decisions that uh, could have gone better, uh, didn't go too well. And I made these choices, and from each of them, there was a spiritual application that's, that's meant a lot to me, and hopefully you can get something out of it as well. So what I want to look at these five easy steps and, uh, of, of, um, of the spiritual race. The, the first step, don't worry about training, okay? The, uh, the, first, the, first, the first leg of the race went pretty well. I started off with a group of guys, and I was, I was thinking I'm going to ride pretty hard, and I'm going to have this good time, uh, a good uh, time, not pleasant time, but a good time, five hours, uh, good ride time. And uh, we got together, and um, you know we're in our pace line, and we're coming out of Solvang, and uh, the morning was p- beautiful, perfectly crisp, clear, uh, mildly you know sunny, but uh, but not too hot, and we're blowing out of Solvang. We're passing people, you know. It felt great, and um, uh, it didn't last too long. Uh, there was a couple. There was a couple of problems. The first one is I forgot that I was doing the ride, and so. Four weeks before the ride, uh, I had completely forgotten I'd signed up for this. Pastor Ed comes up to me and he goes, hey, he goes, you're doing Solvang this year, right? And I was like, yeah, 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 that's right. You know, I'm looking at my calendar, four weeks away. Well, what you're supposed to do, you're supposed to gradually build up in your riding duration, right? So you do 30 miles, 40 miles, 45 miles, 50 miles, 70 miles, 75, 80 miles. You're supposed to do this over a few months. You gear up your uh, endurance and so on. Well, Pastor Ed says, yeah, don't you do this? I've got three weeks. So I go home that day, and I jump on my mic. I do 50 miles, and, uh, which isn't a good idea. And the next week, I thought, well, I've got to crank it up. So next week, I, I do, I do 70, 65 or 70 miles. And then the next week, I do uh, 85 miles, and then Solvang. So uh, poor training habits, uh, to say the least. I'd been involved in a uh, cycling clinic but the, I wasn't doing any other ride time. I was at the clinic a couple days a week, but I wasn't getting any other ride time in. 
and um, I, I really didn't uh, train very well. And uh, Robert over at the cycle shop says, you know, to be a really good rider, you know, which I'm not, but to be a really good rider, you need to have a cycling mentality, meaning anything you do ought to enhance your cycling. When you go out to dinner, eat those foods that are going to enhance your cycling. I can't even tell you what it all meant, but, you know, certain foods do this and that. And when you do whatever exercises, do those exercises that are going to most enhance your cycling ability, right? And, um, and so I didn't do any of that. Um, Here's the, here's the lesson learned, that if you're going to stay in the race, train. Here's the spiritual application. Turn with me, if you would, to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4.20. Paul is admonishing the Ephesians, and he's told them, look, you guys, don't act like the, uh, like the Gentiles. Uh, they're, not, they're not on the right path. But uh, you, in verse 20... You did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as the truth is in Jesus. When we train, we, have, we need to have a Christ-centered mentality. That everything we do has us filtering it through the truth of Scripture, the truth of what we know to be true about God, His loving kindness, His desire to teach us, to train us, to disciple us, His love for the world, to talk to others, all these things. A Christ-centered mentality. You remember the Hebrew believers in uh, chapter 514? You don't have to go there. But uh, Paul said, you guys, you should be teaching right now. But you're not. Why not? Because they had not engaged in the Word and their senses weren't trained to discern good and evil. So they didn't have the maturity or the experience to teach others because they themselves had not trained properly. Hebrews 12 teaches us that discipline in our life leads to the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Wouldn't it be great if your spouse had the peaceable fruit of righteousness? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, (laughs) My wife wishes I had the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Um, But the training, the things that come into our life, it's our choice to take those as from His good hand and learn from them or not. And when we do that, when we're trained properly, when we allow the Holy Spirit to have that work, we train properly and we have the peaceable fruit of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4 tells us that we're to be trained, to be ready, to be prepared, to give a reason for the hope within us at all times. And that presupposes that that hope is there, that we're consciously thinking about this hope that we have in heaven forever with the Lord someday. 1 Peter 3 says to give a... uh, I'm sorry, that, that, was, that was 1 Peter. 2 Timothy says to be ready at all times to share the gospel, in season and out of season. The idea there is whether you feel like it or not, but because we have a Christ-centered mentality, we're ready to share the gospel. We're ready to let others know about the goodness and grace of God in our lives. Any, uh, anybody know what the AWANA... What is a, AWANA is an acronym, right? What, what does AWANA stand for? The, the word AWANA. Approved workmen are not ashamed. That's in 2 Timothy 2.15. Turn, if you would, look at verses 21 and 25 after that. The, uh, the diligence as a workman in the Iwana passage has to do with handling accurately the word of truth. And if you look at verse 21 and 25, we get the result of that. He, earlier, he tells Timothy, he said, you know, beware of a worldly and empty chatter. Because in a large house, verse 20, there's not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware. 
And in verse 21, Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared or trained for every good work. So you want to, guys, you're doing all right. You're engaging in the Word, you're training, you're preparing your mind and heart. So the, the lesson there, train. Easy step number two, okay? Adequate nutrition is way overrated. Um, I'm going along, and again, I'm, I'm feeling okay at this point. I'm feeling good. And, uh, but already before the first rest stop, which is a little early in this ride, it's like at the 20-mile mark, I'm feeling a little, uh, I'm feeling a little, little cramping. And I'm thinking, oh, man, I'd already drunk quite a bit of my water. And so I was, I was ready for this first rest stop. And uh, the word came through the chain, though, is, uh, hey, we're going to blow by the first rest stop. We're going to blow by. And it came to me, we're going to blow by the first rest stop. And uh, we did, and, uh, and it was a problem. I was already a little mentally, I was starting to get a little mentally fatigued because I, I needed that rest stop. And the problem was, you're supposed to, before a ride, you're supposed to drink a lot of water. You're supposed to super hydrate so every cell in your body is, is, uh, is uh, hydrated. And uh, I, I didn't do that. And um, the other thing you're supposed to do is eat properly. You're supposed to carbo-loading, they call it. You're supposed to eat a lot of carbohydrates the week before the ride to get some stored uh, energy available. And you're supposed to, the day before the ride, have a nice big spaghetti dinner. And um, uh, I, I had fish. And, uh, it, you know, I don't know what I'm thinking. And um, so I didn't do any of that. So here's the lesson. The spiritual application is if you're going to stay in the race, hydrate. Hydrate. And what I mean is Psalm 1 says that uh, David, referring to David, that blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. And what's he like? He's like a tree firmly planted by the water. Our lives, don't we need to be firmly planted by the water? And what was the result? His leaves flourished. They were uh, green and, 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 uh, and flush with growth. The, the fruit was, uh, was born out in due season. It was plump and ripe and whole and wholesome and all those things. Periodic nutrition is insufficient. Remember the Bereans? They were more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched the word daily to see if what Paul said was true. They were engaging in the Word. 1 Peter 2.2 says that we're supposed to, like newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the Word. And the idea in that Word is a, a, a longing and a craving for the Word. You, uh, you, you, you can't fake it, and uh, you can't make it up, and you can't store it up. Oftentimes, you know, the old foxhole Christian thing where all of a sudden we get real involved in prayer and reading the Word when things start going bad. We, oh my gosh, Lord, what's going on? And we start praying fervently. Well, that's good, but better if ahead of time we're fully hydrated, fully nourished. And then when those times come, we're much better able to handle it. As much as... Um, as much as uh, Pastor Mike's preaching is great, I can almost guarantee you if the only input you're getting from Scripture is Pastor Mike's message once a week, I can almost guarantee you you are not growing in your Christian faith. Guaranteed, you're not. Um, it's, it's, like, uh, it's, it's like trying to eat once a week. Or just recently I got turned on to those cinnamon crunch bagels at Panera Bread. Oh, man. And, uh, but 
It'd be like trying to survive by walking through the bakery and smelling the baked goods. It's not going to work. We have to hydrate. We have to continually nourish ourselves on the Word of God, prayer, and other Christian disciplines. Okay, easy step number three. Go wherever you want to go. Um, what happened now is we're in about the middle of the ride, and um, there's this thing called, uh, you, you ride in a pace line. And uh, what that means is basically you get in a group and then you rotate in different fashions in order to maximize the efficiency of the ride and minimize the fatigue. So you take turns getting the headwind, you know, taking the brunt of the wind and so on. And um, so it was my turn to take the pole. And what you do is if you're a, a little slower rider or you're not feeling so good, what you do is you pull for a very brief time and then you get off the pole. Uh, unless you're particularly prideful. And then what you do is you hang there for a while, which is what I did. So we just started to go up this hill, and, uh, and the wind was blowing. And um, uh, so I'm in the pole, and I'm thinking, God, you're going uphill. And it's kind of wimpy to, to bail out of a pole when you're going uphill. You're not supposed to do that, unless you shouldn't be there to start with, which is my case. So I end up keeping the pole all the way up the hill, and uh, I finally get off. And the problem is, once you get off the pole... Everyone else is feeling pretty fresh, right? So they start blowing by, and what you have to do, you have to really pay attention because when the last guy comes by, you've got to start picking up speed and quick get behind that guy's wheel to get the draft. It's amazing on a bicycle, you, you really do get the benefit of a draft. Well, the guys are going by, and I'm kind of looking, I'm struggling. The last guy goes by, and that was the last time I saw the whole group. <laughs> they were gone. And uh, that's when I thought, uh-oh, I am, I, am not, I am not in this program very well. So here's the, the spiritual application is if you're going to stay in the race, pay attention. Uh, there are some places, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we have no business being. Um, if you're a younger person and you're involved in a relationship with someone who's not a believer, guess what? According to Scripture, you have no business being there. Uh, sometimes... Uh, Kath and I had made commitments early on as far as being alone with a member of the opposite sex. Uh, we had a gal in Ohio whose husband was gone off it. I would not go there unless I drug John and Luke along and, uh, to make sure that we didn't even remotely have an opportunity for, uh, for a problem. Uh, there are some places that we have no business being. 1 Thessalonians 5.22 reminds us that we're to avoid every even appearance of evil. In our relationships, you know, sometimes we allow our mind to toy with things. And, uh, you know, you hear these stories of pastors who, you know, it's everything's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm with, uh, you know, with this secretary and they spend more time and more time. And next thing you know, you've got a, a church that's fallen apart. In business or in other relationships, we can be unequally yoked. And we have to recognize that, that um, uh, our relationships are important. If it's, if it's a yoking relationship, a marriage, a business partnership, things like that, we have no business being in that if they're not a believer. Turn to uh, 1 Chronicles. Really interesting passage I just came across the other day. 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1. I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and I, I see I'm already in a little trouble here. Um, 1 Chronicles 20, chapter 20, verse 1. It says, Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that Joab led out the army and ravaged the land of the sons of Ammon and came and beseeched Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem, and Joab struck Rabbah and overthrew it. 
And you're thinking, well, that's not a new passage. I recognize that. That's when David fell with Bathsheba, right? This passage doesn't mention Bathsheba at all. And so it sounds like it might be in the same time frame as the battle that was going on when uh, David got with Bathsheba, but it looks as if this had already become a habit that David was making in his life. And it's like sometimes when we do stupid things or things that we know we shouldn't be doing, and you think, ah, nothing happened, it was fine. That may happen for a time. It may happen many times, and then all of a sudden we get bit. And we think, wow, what happened? Well, we can recognize that there were choices that led up to that. David probably went up, sent Joab out to fight, stayed back in Jerusalem like he wasn't supposed to, probably walked along his rooftop many times until one time he saw Bathsheba. Then he fell. But he'd already gotten himself in a habit, a bad habit of behavior that was going to eventually lead to a downfall. You know, there's that, uh, that old song that says, Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, remember that? There's a lot of truth to that song. There's places not only where our physical body shouldn't be, but there's places where our mind shouldn't be. The um, internet immediately comes to mind. Uh, how easy for things that uh, we have no business seeing or being involved with that uh, can come right into our home. And uh, man, we have to be careful. Ravi Zacharias, an evangelist and teacher, uh, says he reads a lot of secular books, so he has a feel for where people are at in their lives. And he said, I come to sections of certain books. He said, I, I just have to completely pass them by. I have no business being there. You know, and sometimes we think we're strong. And we know from 1 Corinthians that we have to take heed, even if we think we're strong, lest we fall. Theophilus Polwile reminds us, he said that uh, the angels fell while they were in heaven. And Adam fell while he was in paradise. Peter fell when he was with the Christ. They were in the optimum surroundings, and yet all three of these fell. So be careful. Pay attention. Easy step number four. Uh, and and uh, I'm going to have to crank through these last two. I, done, I wish I could have done that during this ride, but couldn't. But I'm going to have to do it now. Uh, easy step number four, just tough it out and go it alone. By now, you know, I've lost everybody. I'm, I'm all on my onesie. Uh, everyone in the right race has spread out and, uh, and I'm kind of by myself and I'm getting a little discouraged and I, I'm still cramping and um, my motivation to do well is, is waning and I'm thinking, you know what, finishing with a good time is really not that important and um, here's the lesson learned, if you're going to stay in the race be accountable you know, we need each other according to scripture we are literally the joints and ligaments that are going to result in the growth of this local body of believers. Without us, without the impact that each of us has on one another's lives, this body of believers will not grow properly to the full maturity of Christ. So the question is, is uh, who are you accountable to and who's accountable to you? Dawson Trotman, who founded the Navigators, uh, when he would address some of the college campuses he would get the men and say, men, where's your man? Who are you getting together with on a regular basis and pouring your life into and making a difference? Women, where's your gal? Who are you getting together with and pouring your life into? So ask the question, who are you pouring your life into? Who are you getting together with in order to stay accountable and make a difference? Lastly, easy step number five. If you go down, stay down. Um, by now, by now, uh, I, I had, I had uh, 
I had muscles that were cramping. I don't even think there's a medical name for them yet. I, I, had, uh, I had places that were hurting that I didn't even know existed. And I, I was really in bad shape. And uh, I somehow made it. Remember those hills, that, that last one, that heartbreak hill? I'd kind of limped up that and made it over it at a pretty slow pace. And uh, got to the wall and uh, made it over that, barely. And um, I got to those switchbacks. And, uh, and, and I getting near the end of the ride, but the switchbacks, like I said, they're short, but they're fairly steep. And so, um, so I'm getting to the switchbacks, and I'm going to stand up, and just then, every, mu- every muscle in my legs just cramped to where it literally stood me up out of my, out of my saddle and tossed me off the bike. So, uh, so, and unfortunately, I had the presence of mind, you know, my feet are clipped into the pedals, right? Well, I had the presence of mind to, to keep my bike up in there because I didn't want to hurt the bike. And... Um, <laughs> So now, this is the side. So I'm, I'm laying now on the side of the road with my bike up in the air, my legs perfectly straight out. <laughs> and um, fortunately, there was a lot of people going by, and, uh, and they were helpful. One guy crawled down, and he goes, hey, you cramping? <laughs> and, uh, you know. And uh, the, the, the next guy I'm thinking was probably a doctor because of the precise medical terms he used. He said, uh, hey, roll over on your belly and try and crawl. And... Um, <laughs> So I did. So I, I, I got my bike off my feet and, uh, and, uh, and crawled over. And it was one of the few things I actually did right. I got back on the bike and I, and I finished. But uh, here's the application. If you're, if you're going to stay in the race, get up. It sounds easy, but you know we're going to fall at some point. And the goal is so that we're prepared and trained and hydrated so that, A, hopefully we don't fall. And if we do, that we don't go down as hard or as often. And uh, we get up after our sin. And uh, we remember that the prodigal was welcomed with a running father with open arms to bring him back into the home. Uh, we know in 1 John 1, 1.9 we're told that uh, if we confess our sin, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I know sometimes there's... Uh, uh, some of us, we think, you know what, though? Gosh, I've got, I've got some stuff in my background and some, some sin I just cannot shake. Uh, I just am uh, overwhelmed with guilt and uh, have a hard time forgiving myself. L- look with me, if you will, to 1 John 3.20. First John 3.20, the, uh, starting with verse 19, says, We shall know by this that we are of the truth and shall assure our heart before Him in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. What a, what a blessing and a joy. If, if you're struggling and to think, gosh, I just, I just can't put this past, know that God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And we can gain comfort in that and uh, receive the full forgiveness that's available to us. In order to get up, we need to stay focused. We need to stay focused on the goal. Uh, my goal at the time was, was just to get back and, and uh, shower and have lunch. Um, but our goal is much more lofty. Paul says that he presses forward, he forgets those things behind in order to reach the goal of Christ and the high calling of Christ Jesus. In uh, Colossians 3, it says that we're to keep our mind focused on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God for our life is hidden with Christ in God. So get up. Lastly, 
we, uh, we are in a race. Now, if, if, you're, not a, if you're not a believer in Christ, um, you're not in the race. And uh, we'd, we'd love to talk more if that's the case. You may, you're running something. I, I was running before I was a believer to who knows what. It was all the wrong stuff. But uh, if you're a believer in Christ, we are in the race. And the choices we make are critical to this life here and life beyond. You know, and it starts again, just as a, as a reminder, with that Romans 12, 1 and 2 thought that uh, we present ourselves to Him first. As I mentioned, the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's not involved, it's all for naught. So we present ourselves to Him first. And then we allow Him to do that work in our lives. And we focus on a future position, the imperishable reward that we first talked about that the athletes were engaged in. And lastly, turn to Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and we'll close with this. Familiar verses, but always a great reminder. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Let's pray. Father, we're just so grateful for the love you've demonstrated that um, in your plan you've decided to redeem sinful man and uh, have called us to yourself. We thank you for the cross of Christ and his shed blood that allows us to claim that as forgiveness for our sins and to be brought into the family of God. Father, we pray that um, we would also do those things that are pleasing to you that we would walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've called us to as sons and daughters of the Almighty and pray that you would even accomplish that um, as we gather together today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.